How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a ridiculous morning uh, in, in many accounts, but uh, this is uh, something that we are taking on, and it's you know 7.50 a.m. on the East Coast on Wednesday, June 13th, and this is the first ever Stars and Stripes SC podcast for now. Uh, we, we really don't have a name yet, um, but Stephanie and I are going to uh, dive into this thing and, and really talk about some of the things that are affecting you guys in, in U.S. soccer, uh, world soccer. We obviously have a World Cup to talk about. I'm sorry, correction. We now have two World Cups to talk about. Stephanie, why don't we, why don't we start off with the first one? Yeah, it is World Cup Eve. Uh, you and I have both been up for at least two hours now because these bastards in Moscow scheduled the vote for when it would be 6 a.m. on the East Coast. So I can't imagine West Coast people like they probably just didn't go to bed. Um, but Moscow is only seven hours ahead. They could have had an evening vote on this and then gone out and had drinks, whether to celebrate or to commiserate. And we could have watched this vote over lunch instead of waking up at ass o'clock. I'm very bitter. Anyway, <laughs> it was definitely ass o'clock. Uh, uh, for those of you out there, I was in Europe yesterday, so my body, fortunately, is still on European time. But that does not make it any harder for me to get an hour of sleep uh, last night and only to wake up at 5 a.m. because they had a, a report that the that the vote would go off at 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. Naturally, in FIFA terms, they delayed it till about what 6:50. Um, is when the vote, I think, actually took place. But I, I knew that would happen, though. You're a fool if you thought that 5 a.m. report, like, earlier than scheduled? Oh, since when has FIFA ever? That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I was tired. I, that, that, that is my excuse. I'm sticking with it. Um, but, hey, we have a World Cup. 2026 is coming to North America. The United States, Canada, and Mexico, uh, the United bid won. It, it was a pretty handled, you know, pretty you know, lopsided vote, um, yeah, 134, 65 with one country. I don't know who it is. Um, they released the, the results later, but one country did not like either bid. Um, and so voted for neither. I believe it was Iran. I want to say, no, oh, that would make sense. Yeah. And, uh, Cuba actually abstained apparently in the CONCACAF and Commebol voting. Like the rest of those countries apparently went for the United bid and Cuba was like, mm, you know, we'll just, We'll just chill for this one. I mean, it's good that we didn't need Cuba's vote because um, <laughs> that would have probably made it a lot more uh, uh, interesting um, with the politics. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's great that the United States, that Mexico, Canada are all getting a bit. And it's, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, there's obviously a lot of questions that need to be answered moving forward. Uh, the first one is going to be whether all three nations receive an automatic uh, bid to the World Cup. The answer would likely be yes, but as you said, FIFA does extraordinary things at, at, at extraordinary times. So we never we we just don't know um, until they actually you know grant the bids. But if they all three get it, the the report is is that all three nations would open the World Cup on the same day in three cities and three countries. And I think that's honestly that's really really cool. That is really cool. Uh, this would be an expanded World Cup by 2026. So it's 48 teams. And CONCACAF would have six and a half slots, right, for, for 2026? Yeah, six and a half. So you guys fight over the remaining three and a half. <laughs> Sorry, suckers, I guess. Well, you know what it means? It means it means one more cycle of the hex. It's just that the United States, Canada, and Mexico wouldn't be in it if, if we got auto-qualified. So, what um, would it be like for, for U.S. fans to watch a hex where there's no stakes? 
That's a good question. And here's the thing. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the majority of our fan base is very young. And this was the first time uh, the 2018 World Cup is the first time a lot of them were live to see the U.S. not be in a World Cup. So for a lot of them, they don't remember the U.S. having to, you know, walk into a World Cup not having to qualify. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and I, I think in the end, it's going to be one of those things where people kind of have to treat it like Euros or something where, hey, we know we're not going to be in this, so we're just going to have to be neutral and just watch the games to what they are. Um, but maybe it, it it also opens the door for a lot of possibilities of who we're going to play during those four years because we can literally play anybody. That would be interesting. Um, I mean, the whole we can literally play anybody. U.S. soccer is going to have to balance, you know, picking interesting money-making opponents with the development of their player pool. By this time, what, 2026, so that's eight years from now, assuming we're all still alive, Christian Pulisic will be 27. So we're talking about the development of that age group in the preceding four years. Yeah, I I can't wait to see what U.S. soccer does in, in the sense that, you know, you and I know that if there's um, a situation, it's 50-50 U.S. soccer will screw it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm excited, though, to 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 have a world cup on on home soil with the caveat that you know being a soccer fan especially an american soccer fan has made me deeply cynical yeah but you know what at the end of the day i you know there are some people who uh wanted the world cup to go to morocco because it was a chance to visit morocco and, and in the end i was like you know morocco is a beautiful country um you know going up against the united states there's a lot of things that you know they had a lot of qualities that the united states uh, or the United bit, I should say, did not have. Uh, but at the end of the day, Morocco is always going to be there. And I feel like the first time I visit Morocco, I did not want it to be in 2026 for the World Cup because I feel like I will have visited it before that. And, you know, really the allure of Morocco was there. It's not the World Cup that would draw me there. So um, having said that, having the World Cup here, I think it means a lot just for the growth, as you said, the development of players in the United States there's now a generation of players who are not on our radar yet that are probably thinking to themselves, Hey, I have eight years to get my act together to really get my game to a level that I can be in contention in eight years. We may not even heard of half of these guys, uh, but in eight years, we could be yelling their name in stadiums all across the country as they enter, uh, as they announce the lineups for uh, a 2026 world cup game. I think as soon as four years over the next cycle, because I think you and I are both thinking of uh, kids who are in that kind of that 12 to 15 range. Mm -hmm. So, you know, four years from now, when they're about 18, 19, 20, we should be starting to getting little blips on the radar. And then over the next four years after that, developing them into, you know, starting 11 or at least, you know, first 18 or, or 23 material. I think yeah. that's kind of the timeline that we're looking at here. And yeah, you're right. That is exciting. Yeah, I, I and I think to wrap it wrap it up on my end, I I think in the end, this is just a, a, one of those historic days, you know, where we don't know what's going to happen in the next eight years, but we know in June 2026, and it will be in June because they're not going to move it with some Qatar crap. That they did. <laughs> it's not going to be. It's not going to be at Christmas. I'm pretty sure Fox is going to make sure of that. Um, but I, I feel like in June 2026, we we'll, we have a now a, a goal. 
uh, to build up the support in his country, to, you know, to keep improving uh, the development of the players in this country, the infrastructure that we have uh, as far as soccer is concerned, uh, you know, from the top down, from the federation down to the, you know, MPSL uh, clubs, everyone has a stake in this now. And I think uh, that is what is most important about today. It's very, it's a very exciting time, but now the work really starts for everybody. Um, Does Fox's deal go through 2026? It does because, okay. uh, because of 2022, uh, FIFA gave them 2026 as compensation for the World Cup moving to December of 2022. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, we don't, as opposed to other countries, you can play soccer in the summer here with a few precautions, Correct. but yeah. you can survive it. You can survive, yeah. <laughs> if we, if you could play in D.C. weather, uh, you could play anywhere. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to, we actually had some some games. Uh, I, I believe you saw two. I was I was abroad for two of them. Um, the our U.S. men and women both played in, in June. Uh, we'll start with the women. The women played um, China twice. Uh, let's talk about those. First one was in Salt Lake City. The second one was last night in Cleveland. I did not get to see either game because they were not on TV in the middle of the night in, in Europe. And last night I was flying back from, from Europe. So, Stephanie, tell me what happened in the game. I saw Toby Heath uh, was, was the uh, decider last night. But tell me who stood out in those two games. Honestly, when you asked me who stood out, my first reaction was the mistakes stood out, uh, which is not the greatest reaction. Although I think if you've been watching the women's national team for the past couple of years, you'd be like, all right, that's once again, that's a little bit cynical, but it's, um, you know, an understandable point of view. So they won the first game, one nothing. They won the second game, 2-1. And I have to, you know, admit that I went into this a little overconfident. I underestimated China. They had an easy Asian qualifying tournament for the World Cup because they were playing opponents who were obviously at least a tier, if not two, below them. That's just kind of how the cookie has crumbled right now in AFC. Um, And they lost, I think, 3-1 to Japan in knockout rounds. And they only got like a penalty kick goal against Japan. So, So the AFC tournament wasn't necessarily the best indicator of opponent's strength because you know, you're knocking out Philippines, however, like four or five goals to nothing. So you can't use, you can't really extrapolate how they're going to stand up to the United States on that. But I, I definitely underestimated. They came in and from the jump, they were super organized. They didn't seem to get, you know, to, to get a look of defeat about them whenever they conceded. And they didn't really concede much because first game one nothing, second game 2-1. And the goals we did score, so in the first game, it was a set piece, Alex Morgan uh, off of a Megan Rapino ball. And then in the second game, um, the the Tobin Heath goal was kind of a goof. Like the buildup was nice, but she gets into the box. She tries to work a give and go. Um, Kristen Press somehow dinks it off her shoulder. It's not called for a handball. And then Tobin whiffs the shot, actually. That's the thing. She, her ball, her foot like went under the ball. So it spun the ball in a loop over the keeper and put it in the goal. It looked like she wanted to put her laces through it and then just, you know, bury it point blank range. Didn't make it, still scored. That's kind of classic Tobin Heath anyway. I... I, I wasn't super impressed by the first game. The second game, I thought it was a little clearer what they were trying to do. They just weren't doing it. Uh, one of the bigger standouts, I'm sorry to say in a negative way, was actually Becky Sauerbrunn. Because in the first game, Jill Ellis had her at right back to start. 
Becky Sauerbrunn's not a right back. She got exposed. They shifted her back into the center within like 25, 30 minutes. Second game, Becky Sauerbrunn goofs big time. She's caught up high with Tierna Davidson. Both center backs are caught up high. Crystal Dunn's the only one between China and the goal. Like Crystal Dunn, really? The the left back that you put in to be essentially your, your wing back, not your fullback? So it was kind of a couple weird games. Um, I thought it was good for us to get results based on China being a, a tougher opponent than I assumed. I think, you know, there's a couple of key players who are injured who need to get back into into game shape. That's that's Tobin Heath, Julie Ertz, Rose Lavelle, Morgan Bryan. I think they're all making progress. I It wasn't the, the worst two games, but we've definitely had better. So, you know, when I've seen China play the United States in the past, they've always been a team that's really scrappy. Um, and really makes the game kind of, uh, I wouldn't say dirty, but just more like a, a, a slugfest. And, and, you know, at least a lot of people being knocked up, a lot of bangs, bruises, uh, but they fight, they play hard. Um, was that the case now or was it a sense of just like we could have destroyed them 9 nothing, but for mistakes? The first game, they weren't as physical. They kind of were just, it seems like, biding their time and then they sprang a lot of counterattacking. Um, in the second game, they were very physical. I'm surprised there weren't way more fouls. Well, you know, given refing in women's soccer, not that surprised. But yeah, they were much more physical in, you know, almost every challenge, one versus one on the ball. Um, I think it demonstrates their ability to adapt to opponent because the United States is, of course, famously known for its physicality. And it's mm-hmm. like, if we can't finesse the win, then we'll you know, bulldoze it. And China was like, well, we can do that too. So uh, I think interesting opponent for the future. They kind of went through a slump the past 10, 15 years. They're trying to rebuild their program and I'm excited to see where they are four years from now. And uh, looking forward, the, uh, the women go to, Oh, they have about a month and a half off before uh, they begin preparations for tournament of nations, which is at the end of July. Uh, is there anyone from that team that you're thinking, okay, we we need them back, or uh, or anyone else that's that was not on this team that you're like looking forward to seeing, hopefully for tournament of nations? No, not really. I think because <laughs> the United States just got a bunch of players back that it's been waiting on to get healthy for it feels like forever. Tobin mm-hmm. Heath and Rose Lavelle haven't played since last September. I don't think Morgan Bryan has been fully healthy for the last three, maybe two years. So those are three key players already. Oh, Casey Short, though. She's finishing up rehabbing an injury. And I think our lack of fullback depth was heavily exposed in these two games. And once we get Casey Short back, that's just one less thing that you have to worry about. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, I always think that the women can destroy anybody that they touch if they're healthy. And I think that's really the most important thing is as we progress towards World Cup qualifying in October, um, getting everyone back, having a full healthy squad so that when we get ready to take on, uh, you know, CONCACAF and, and qualify that we have a full squad ready to go. So I think that's probably the most interesting thing to watch for over the next month and a half on the men's side. Uh, I, I thought the men had a great, you know, uh, great two games against Ireland and France. You know, obviously we, uh, the Ireland game, I think was a little more uh, frustrating on the defensive end than France was because, France really threw everything at the United States and these guys, it, it, it took, you know, a, a freak, you know, play in the 80th or 78th minute um, by Mbappe to, uh, to get free 
and and that's really was the difference and and the reason why we didn't you know you know come away with a win rather than a draw uh, but i thought they played extremely well you know for a squad that averages 22 years of age um to go over to very you know great atmospheres in ireland and france the france atmosphere was one of the greatest i've seen uh in any stadium um to see that happen and to see those guys really just come of age and just no rise to the challenge of playing a team that's going to the world cup and is a favorite to win the world cup. Um, to see that happen, I thought was tremendous. You know, we had uh, Zach, Zach Steffen had a great, great game against France. I think he will probably, you would think to be the number one um, going forward. I, I, I love Bill Hamid, but I didn't think he had a great game against Ireland. And I think that plus uh, Zach's uh, performance against uh, France is going to be the difference. You know, on the offensive end, I thought Tim Weah did really well. You know, when he featured, I thought uh, Tyler Adams uh, was was a bull um, in the middle, and I thought that was really, really well uh, taken. And Julian Green, listen, Julian Green, a lot of people don't like him, and and I and, and I'll just be straight up with it. a lot of people don't like him because of the circumstances surrounding his being called into the national player pool uh, under Jurgen Klinsmann, but to to score against France, to play as well as he did. Uh, he is making the most of his opportunity, his second opportunity with the na- national team. And hopefully this leads to more confidence with him on the club level, because that's, what's going to keep him in the rotation. Um, there's talk about him staying with his second uh, Bundesliga team uh, on a permanent basis that he was loaned to this off or this past year. But I really was impressed by how he, how he held himself and it, he made it seem like playing up, you know, a, a world cup contender was like playing another team in, in Germany. Um, and I think that confidence is what all these guys are going to need going forward. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that American manager Dave Sarishan, um has made a case for himself to stay on? Do you think he even wants to make that case, especially after this France result? Because I think a lot of people, me included, were like, well, let's just enjoy this slaughter by France and their World Cup send-off. We don't have anything to lose. And then, you know, got a result out of it. Um, do you think that there's a, a contender in the coach pool now that we maybe had all dismissed as a placeholder? I So I, I, I hope that American manager Dave Sirikin is not named the next coach, but you... <laughs> you have to be blind if you cannot see that the performance they had against France is a huge boost to his resume. The fact that he only has one loss and it was, you know, against Ireland in the 90th minute, like he only has one loss in his tenure as our interim coach. I'm sure he's using all of that. If he has any inkling and wanted to take over that France game was definitely one where even in the stands, people are like, oh my God, I really hope this doesn't mean we have Sirikin going forward because the guys are playing super well. He he responded to the challenge of playing a team like France and, and really even Ireland. Our guys played really well for, I'd say, you know, on, on offense at least, for 85 minutes of the game. Um, and it was just the defense that was a question um, in that Ireland game. But against Bolivia, we we beat the doors off a team that we should have. Uh, in Ireland, we held strong against a team that's probably roughly our equal. And in France, a team that is nowhere near our level or, or on another planet compared to us, we held our own in at home or on the road in an atmosphere where, again, even the French were thinking, well, 
we may keep it close for a while and then we're going to pull away and make it, you know, three or four to one. Uh, and we were probably going to be happy with that. I think everyone in the stands was happy with a draw, ecstatic with a draw. And this really helps his resume. I don't know if he's the contender. I don't know if he's on the list. But if he has any inkling of winning this job, he's putting that France game down first. I'll tell you that. Well, the United States just announced Ernie Stewart as their first ever GM. So I'm wondering how that's going to work into this because the GM, of course, has hiring firing power over the next mm-hmm. head coach. Um, I think they said he's not starting right away, right? Out of uh, respect for him having to kind of disentangle himself and, and you know, he can't he can't start right away. How do you think it's, it's going to play out here? Do you think Stewart is actually going to be involved with, um, you know, the next decision or are they going to maybe make a decision before he can get up to full speed so i that's a good question he's not expected as you said he's not expected to take over until august 1st and that's so he can you know basically not just up and run from the union and leave them high and dry which i guess makes sense i do think that if the u.s is smart they're hiring a coach in that two-week window between the end of the world cup and August 1st, where all the coaches are available at their disposal. Will he have a say in that? I absolutely think he will. I don't think he, I don't think they're going to make a hire and say, you were in charge of hiring and firing decisions and then do something before he takes over, uh, but w- without consulting him. So I think he will be in the room uh, or at least on the phone, whatever it's going to be. Uh, but in the end, I do think that we had that if, if we're smart and, you know, we've done this, We've done both both ends. We've been smart and we've been dumb with some of our decisions. If we're smart, we're hiring somebody in that two-week window between the end of the World Cup and August 1st when everyone's available. That way the new coach has a chance to come in, evaluate player talent, evaluate the pool, and decide who he's going to bring up uh, for those matches in September. So uh, that would be my guess. Um, and I think anything after August 1st, where it, we're, we're kind of pushing it, where we have – um, we have the opportunity. We won't have as much of an opportunity for the team to get to know the uh, the coach to get to know the players and vice versa and really gel before uh, September starts. Because when September starts, we're all like we're in the we're in the next cycle and we need to be fully prepared to take on everybody. And we're we're not we're not starting off easy. We're starting off with Brazil and Mexico. So um, I think those things are are leading me to think that we will pick one right at the end of the World Cup. I'll tell you who's not going to be available for head coach selection. It's going to be Spain's coach. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because before, before guys, before the, the world cup vote, actually, while it was going down the whole FIFA Congress this morning uh, came the report that Spain fired its coach. Um, Why you ask? Because Real Madrid announced that he was taking over at Real Madrid after the world cup was done. And this just it's just astounding It's probably honestly not outside of north america this is the news of the day that spain a top contender for the world cup has fired his coach the day before the world cup starts and two days before they debut against portugal so it's not like they're you know playing you know liberia or someone like that in the world cup they're playing the european defending champions in portugal and cristiano ronaldo who yes plays for real madrid as of right now uh, so there's just so many things to unravel here. Uh, what was your first thought when you heard this news? 
Uh, I live for petty drama, so I loved this move. As someone who has no emotional investment in Spain, I was like, what a power move. Like, oh, you, you're going to leave anyway, so why don't you just pack up now? You know, it's the equivalent of someone turning in a two weeks notice and then the boss going, nah, why don't you just leave now? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's a little bit more of an entanglement because uh, I am a Real Madrid fan. So when they announced him yesterday, I was like, oh, that's actually a really solid move. Good job. Like, have him go through World Cup. And, and it turned out, I, I guess, late last night. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what date is, uh, but it was late last night. Um, that the report came out that the reason why it wasn't it wasn't announced after the World Cup is that the the Real Madrid players on the Spain team knew this was happening and were like, "Coach, we'll keep it quiet." There's, you know, we're we're focused on the World Cup. After the World Cup, we could talk about you being our coach on the club level. And it turned out that one player who is not on Real Madrid that plays for Spain found out about this move, and the coach decided that he was going to, he, he told Real Madrid, let's just go ahead and make the announcement. Now let's clear all the air. Let's make it so that we can focus on the world cup and that there's no tension and that everyone is on the same page. So it wasn't a, a it wasn't supposed to be a power move by Real Madrid to announce it, but of course Real Madrid does everything powerfully. So it, when they, <laughs> we announced it, it became a power move just by them announcing it, even though that was not their intention. Uh, so that was the news last night. And then uh, I guess Spain decided to fight fire with fire and they fired the coach. I, I, this is a hell of a way to start the world cup. Like we said, yeah. it's world cup Eve. <laughs> now um, I saw a lot of people who are like, we just filed our previews for the world cup. Like we got them all in. And now <laughs> this happens. Now like got to redo. <laughs> that'll I mean, it'll make for quite the story if Spain advances far enough. I don't think they're going to win. I didn't think they were going to win before, but I don't think they're going to win now for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Soccer, this is why soccer is great. It's why sports are great. I, I mean, we can talk about how, you know, um, it's all about the technicalities and appreciating the beautiful game. But sports fans have to admit they also just love juicy stories. And this yeah, one is, and, and soccer is full of them. All yeah, the no, time. this is as juicy as it gets. So just chef kiss. Like it, it, in Spain, the the drama surrounding the Real Madrid team that who just, by the way, just won uh, Champions League for the third straight year. You have Barcelona who just won La Liga for you know uh, the second time in three years, and they're talking about who's going where, who's leaving, who's staying. Is Ronaldo leaving? Is Gareth Bale leaving? Are they staying? And this coaching move was supposed to quell all that and supposed to calm everybody down and go, okay, they have a coach. Barca has a coach. Everyone will talk about where they're going after the World Cup is done. The World Cup's about to start. Let's focus in. And now you have this. Spain media has just exploded. And they're just <laughs> like, what do we do? Like, now the talk is like, are we going to get out of the group stage? Because their coach is their under-21 coach who, you know, yeah, he's probably a fine coach, but – probably did not expect to be taking over a world cup contender 24 hours before the start of said world cup. So can you imagine um, you and I were mad at having to get it up at 6am to cover something we knew was happening days in advance. Can you imagine yeah. being Spanish media in charge of covering soccer, especially if your beat is Real Madrid? Like mm -hmm. that's, I, I hope all of them after this get to go to a bar and just go to town. I think they're probably already there. Uh, <laughs> 
if they're if they're in Russia, I don't know where they are. If they're in Russia, if they're if they're in in Spain, I'm pretty sure whatever their local bar is, they probably called the bartender and said, "Yo, open up, I need you." Um, but here's the other rub that kind of it obviously didn't affect the vote, but it kind of is a, a, a quirky wrinkle we were talking about is the fact that the president of the of the Spanish Federation had to leave the vote to fire their head coach, leaving Spain to have their vice president cast their vote for the 2026 World Cup bid. It all comes full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Spain, I don't know, I, I think it's on FIFA.com at this point, um, but the, we, we'll know who they voted for. Chances are they didn't want to vote. They, they had this internal dilemma about they wanted to vote for the United States because it was the better bid, but Morocco is literally 12 seconds away from Spain, and they figured that would be a, a great boost for uh, it, their fans. And so the president was saying he was going to make this decision in the room and didn't get a chance to because he had to fire his head coach. Uh, so it is up on FIFA. Spain abstained. And there it is. So that tells you that they probably did not have an answer. And when this all t- went place, they probably just said, don't let's not vote. Let's just get out of here. Mm-hmm. Wow. I completely lost my train of thought. This is just like, <laughs> the, the craziness is it's all I can think about. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, Spain probably not going to win, but I was going to ask you then, who are you rooting for? Because, you know, that's kind of been the question on a lot of American fans' minds. Like, do I go with, you know, my grandfather's from Brazil or whatever, or do I go for, you know, full drama and, and should I support Mexico instead? Um, should I, should I hate watch all Mexico games, stuff like that? So for you, which countries are you rooting for? And what's a, who's a player that you're hoping has a breakout tournament? So I, I, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. I am officially I am I am the 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 co-founder of Team No Team, um, and that is not a petty thing. That is more of a I don't really need to pick a team to make this World Cup great for me. Not the U.S. is not in it. it I'm treating it kind of like the Euros. Um, I don't have ties to any any team really. So um, I, I will say that I have a soft spot for a few teams. Um, Switzerland, um, who opened the doors for me. I have a Switzerland jersey. Uh, courtesy of the Swiss Mountain National Team, um, uh, having visited the tallest, uh, or I'm sorry, the highest uh, uh, field in all of Europe uh, the other day. But, uh, you know, I think teams, I'm, I'm really just looking for these these kind of plot lines. I thought Spain-Portugal was going to be in a, a hell of a match without all the drama surrounding it. And now it's even more of a powder keg. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think Brazil is, it, I think my Brazil is my pick to win it. Um and that's all depending on if Neymar is healthy. And I, I think the one player, that's a good, the, the one player to break out, um, I think is going to be uh, Timo Werner from Germany. I, I, I really liked how we played in Confederations Cup when I had no idea who he was. And I think he's one of those guys that he, he is poised to break out into the world stage and be listed with some of the better players in the world. So, um, he's probably my my breakout player, but I do think that the winner of this tournament depends on if Neymar is one hundred percent one hundred percent healthy, and if he is, I think it's Brazil. Mm, okay, I think I have Germany picked. I have them. I have Germany losing to Brazil in the final. So I, I think most right. people are picking. You know, there's I think there's four or five teams, and here's the thing: I know a lot of people after the the game last weekend against the United States, a lot of people had France as one of their contenders in our we're rethinking that uh, on Sunday after seeing how they played against us because um, they didn't look terrific against us. And 
most people are probably thinking, hey, if this is a World Cup contender and they can't beat a team of, you know, teenagers, um, what does that say about their chances uh, against some of the better teams like Argentina, Spain, Germany, Brazil? Um, that would be that's going to be an interesting thing to watch, too. Mm -hmm. I will say whenever the World Cup comes around, now that the United States is not in it, my my usual backup team, I got to go with the motherland, South Korea, obviously, like very slim odds of winning but sometimes it's just nice to be there i think it's kind of the same as almost as being team no team like mm -hmm. i'm not going to be like living and dying by every result if they advance i'll be happily surprised but it, yeah i am a little bit just happy to be there in terms of south korea and of course i love sun Min. um you know the thing with uh, immigrant parents is, and I think this is kind of universal, if someone from your country does well, it doesn't matter if your parents are interested in that thing or not. They're going to be contacting you and being like, hey, have you heard about this? Why mm -hmm. don't you do that? So my parents who don't know anything about soccer, my father has asked me about Amy Wombat before. Um, they, they know who this kid is because he's just been, you know, lighting up the field uh, over in England. So I'm I'm rooting for him to back some highlight real goals for South Korea to not embarrass themselves and for everybody to just stay healthy. Yeah, I, I think it's a that's the important thing. You know, when we're talking about all these games, we don't want to see anything affected by any, you know, massive injuries. You know, I hope Salah is 100% and plays the World Cup and leads Egypt as far as he can go. I hope Neymar is 100%. I hope all these guys that are, you know, there's the uh, report about Mbappe going down in training uh, just yesterday. So I hope he's healthy because you want to see the world's best play at the World Cup and be at full strength. You don't want to see games affected because, uh, or, or even have people say what could have been or what should have been um, because of injury or something like that. So that, that's my hope is for a clean tournament at, that that is full of all of the passion and, and, the, and the drama uh, behind the play and not necessarily anything off the field um, when it or or with injuries. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's it's like youth soccer essentially. Like everybody go out there, have fun, do your best, and um, hopefully everyone comes home healthy at the end of the day. Yeah, and and there there is now a new report. Fernando Hierro is the new Spain coach. Um, he has just been named that uh, literally seconds ago. Yeah, that's how fast news is moving today. So yeah. we picked a great time to record. Yeah, honestly, and here's the here's the here's the cycle for me. I became a soccer fan when I was like six years old. Uh, I started playing, and I became a Real Madrid fan because Fernando Hierro was a defender that played like a forward, and I was a forward trying to learn how to play and modeled my game after him. Now, thirty five years later, or thirty years later, this man is now the coach of Spain in some incredible circumstances and now has to have the task of trying to bring a team to the final that most people expect to be there in that country. So uh tall task for him, but uh, it's it just kind of, it's funny how, how soccer works sometimes. Yeah. So good luck to all the teams kickoff uh, is tomorrow, Russia, Saudi Arabia at 11 Eastern time. Um, if you need a calendar, Stars and Stripes FC has got one for you that you can download to Google and, you know, have little reminders that you can put in there pinging your phone. Like, this is not the United States game. This one isn't the United States game either. The United States isn't in this tournament. So just enjoy yourselves, you know? It's a, it's a once in every four years event. I know we're all still kind of um, 
you know, emotionally processing, but I think it's time to start the healing process. If, like if the World Cup is not the beginning of your healing process, I really don't know what to say to you. Yeah, it, you know what? We're I am I am just as hyped for this World Cup and this is having been at the game in Trinidad. Uh, there was obviously a point where I was like there's no way I'm watching this World Cup, but in the back of my mind I always knew this is the game, <laughs> this is the tournament you're going to watch and it in anything other than like, you know, hate watching is fine, but it still requires you watching. So uh, we were going to have plenty of coverage for you guys at Stars and Stripes FC uh, every day um, throughout the tournament. All the all the hot takes, all the all the drama, all the all the goals, everything that we can bring to you, we will. Uh, and we're going to try and bring this podcast to you once a week. So it, the first thing we are doing for you guys is we're going to give you a task, uh, and that is to crowdsource uh, a name for this podcast. Right now, we have the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. It's cool, but if you guys have something out there that's better, send it to us. Uh, you can tweet it at us at Stars Stripes FC, uh, or you know, on our post in the in the community. Let us know what you think. Um, we're obviously going to improve as we get go along with this. This is literally uh, two people who woke up at four or five a.m. Uh, to talk about soccer. Um, but uh, we will we will also as we move forward, we're going to bring you everything when it comes to U.S. soccer uh, and world soccer. So. For Stephanie, I'm Donald. This is episode one of this untitled podcast, and uh, we'll see you next week.